I don't know, Master. It doesn't look like something from this world. Some sort of strange machine. Don't hesitate, my boy. It's only a mainframe. Now, strike true and destroy the abomination. <laughs> now that it's come to this moment, I'm not sure I can do it. I know this thing is the source of all our calamities, all our evil, all our suffering. Everything that's gone wrong in the past several months. All those that have fallen trying to get me to this moment, but I can't do it. How can I plunge a sword into a solid cube of steel or copper or whatever that is? I can't do it, Master. Then you have made all of it for nothing. And it has all been talk and nothing more. The Age of Doom will descend upon our world. And so writes another chapter in mankind's dark tale of the RPG mainframe. Everybody, welcome back to Rune Haman. It's old Hanker and Fernail here, you buddy. Back with episode 39 of the RPG mainframe. That's right, we are on episode 39. You know, episode 40 is a magic harmonic moment. I'm not sure what it's gonna be, but you know, lordy lordy, it's almost episode 40. So if you missed episode 38, you might have to go scouring the internet to see what that was all about. I will say no more. Episode 39 of Mainframe is a little less theory and structure heavy than some of the podcasts that I do. This one is going to get a bit more emotional, as the uh, the little cinematic intro may have implied. I'm not going to be talking about game mechanics, table techniques, or even mailbag today. I'm going to be talking about talking. <laughs> How meta is that? So I've gone through several topics, and January was a really dense month. Honestly, uh, things are still just as dense as they were, but health has returned. Odin has graced our bodies with the ability to regenerate, and man, the cold that went around in January was... Ooh. So you guys don't want a slimy, stuffed-up podcast, so I just put all my effort into commissions and into, most importantly, the third hardback book for the ICRPG series, The Magic Book. So that is going to be coming very soon. It is approaching done. And it is a monstrous compendium of spells, creatures, adventures, and character creation, all for the magic user in you. But all that aside, that's just some introductory garbage. Welcome back to Runehammer. Nice to be here. Oh my God. Feeling good in the neighborhood. What am I talking about talking? What, what is this? Is this some kind of Inception podcast? <laughs> the first movie to really make use of the big slowed down timpani hit. Anyway, talking. <laughs> talking. Why do I want to talk about talking? Well, as the intro implied, I wanted to do a podcast that basically made this bold statement and made it with absolutely no equivocation, no unclarity, no silly pants. This is a straight up 
cut and dry statement that I want to hit you with. All this stuff that's going on in the RPG community right now, from D&D all the way down to the sort of DIY indie type community, there is a lot of talk going on. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but if you compare nowadays on ye old internet, as far as the RPG community goes, to say four years ago, the amount of chatter and talk is bonzo. Now, this is obviously related to the growing popularity of our wonderful hobby, right? Now, no one can disparage more people from more walks of life enjoying the RPG hobby. You just can't. That's called being a hater. Don't be a hater. Be a player, right? So everyone is welcome. This is also, this is like a safe space type hobby. This is a pro-positive, open-minded hobby. Everybody's welcome here. So rock on. The growth of popularity is fantastic. It's just going to mean that a lot of small publishers, at least from my point of view, are going to get more support and are going to be able to make more innovative products. Now, it also kind of means that the top-tier producers, namely like Wizards of the Coast making D&D, is going to take on a bit of a, a tone that may be unfamiliar to some of us who have been living the RPG life somewhat in the shadows for decades. And to have it be coming out and where celebrities are now drawn to be making these D&D shows and stuff like this, um, it feels a little bit odd, I have to admit. But hey, rock on, whatever. You know, I, I can do the hobby in whatever way I choose. They're not impinging on me in any way. But what I'm getting at is that the growing popularity of the hobby at large is creating a greater deal, a greater amount of talk around the hobby, right? The more people are into a thing, the more the community can support the weight of so-called sort of secondary sources. These are basically people just like me. They're people who, well, in some ways I'm a primary source because I do create material, but in other ways I'm a secondary source because I talk about material. So stay with me. So this amount of talk is great for the enthusiast because you can delve deeper into the hobby than ever before, right? You can think about it on your commute. You can listen to podcasts. You can watch videos. There are more books and more sort of um, underground style RPGs that are available, right? There's a lot to it. So even though you have a lot more access to a lot more material, there is something else that's occurring, that occurs in all sort of rapidly growing special interest groups and hobbies and other things that I am seeing from my point of view. And I wanted to share it to you guys, with you guys, not as a cynic or as a skeptic or as a naysayer, but as a rallying cry to the old sort of adage of, you know, my word is my bond or live by your word, right? Now, so let's start to break it down with uh, defining that because I'm probably going to use it more times than I'd like to think about. The term living by your word or your word is your bond comes from a time when there are far less legal documents and uh, electronic material to track you to your commitments. And so one's follow through on what one says becomes really a, a, a very tangible mark of a human being's worth and honor, right? And so those who would say they would do a thing or would, you know, talk large and live small, so to speak, they, their worth is greatly reduced. Now, in the more modern era, you have a lot of ways that your 
the things that you say and promise can actually be enforced upon you, such as, you know, paying bills or you're paying debts or, you know, following through on commitments that you have signed up for. You know, signing up is a, is a more modern concept. In more ancient times, there was no signing up. It was simply your word. And if you followed through on your word, that made you a person of great worth and your word was your bond. If I say I'm going to do a thing and if I describe a thing, if I make a claim, then I am, I'm worth it. I'm good on that. And, and that was a, a binding force of honor in this world. And I think it's a very, very good thing. I think it's a very good limitation and a good um, a rallying cry, really, to, to living well, to living up to what your mouth says, your body, your mind, and your, your life will commit to. I think that's good for us. Okay, so this is like my word is my bond or I'm only as good as my word or I live by my word, right? I'm good on my word. All these types of phrases, right? This, this is what they mean. And now the way that I want to bring it around is what this RPG mainframe is about, which is like this is not just talk. So what do I mean by that? What I'm sort of seeing sensing, feeling, experiencing (laughs) as we come into 2019 is that we are getting a boatload of RPG talk. And then now again, what you'll get is a glimpse that that talk is not taking hold. It is not taking hold. And a lot of times what what I'm seeing anyways that sort of gets my hackles up and that makes me want to talk about it in my podcast is I'll see all this uh, in-depth either advice or rehash of current RPG material, which the the rehash element is really growing. Um, You know, maybe people uh, don't enjoy reading the books, and so they'd rather watch the same material be sort of spoken at them on a YouTube video, and and that's fine. But I'm seeing this sort of theory and how-to and advice, and then also a smattering of rehash from books in there. And then you'll catch wind of or see or even bear witness to in person some gameplay, right? Now remember, the hobby is not primarily about advice and rehash. The hobby is primarily, not entirely, but primarily about playing with your friends. And so what I will see sometimes is that when the gameplay happens, the primary part of what we're so excited about, this awesome experience we all go through week by week where we get our get our minds blown is that it completely disregards all the advice <laughs> so what's an example okay let's get out of the abstract and let's get into the specific one of the things that i hear the most um which is like rpg advice which is by the way stinking genius is to give players spotlight right as a dungeon master to actively habit or actively practice the habit of moving the attention of the table around, moving it away from, quite often, very verbal people or vocal people, and encouraging or um, protecting those who aren't as verbal or aren't as assertive so that they are lifted into the conversation. They are lifted up to be just as vocal, just as spotlighted, just as epic, just as wonderful as those who have a natural knack for the game and a knack for saying soliloquies and things like this, right? And the DM is this social beacon 
of equality for the table. This is common, common, common advice. It's probably one of the top five things that is ever advised to being a good dungeon master is get that spotlight to move around the table, move it around so that no one feels left out, so that no one feels talked over, so that no one sits for hours waiting for their turn or for an opportunity to be themselves or to speak up, so that no one on the flip side dominates the table. Not even you, not even the dungeon master. You, most of all, have to be actively mindful about the spotlight and where it is, okay? Now, This is almost universally accepted as brilliant advice, and you should take this advice. I struggle to take this advice all the time. This is like one of the first things on my mind, even when I'm doing prep, is how can I stop talking and get them talking? How can I lean back and they take the reins, right? Now that said, if you go and watch a lot of actual play, or even go to your next table session with friends, or go to a con and see some play, whatever. There's a lot of different ways to participate in or see gameplay. I'm seeing that even this most fundamental precept, which is inarguable in its awesomeness, is left by the roadside at the table. Now, I'm not saying all the time, but so much of the time, (laughs) so much of the time. Now, there is a somewhat justifiable reason that this happens. When you're in the moment, the way that we are built as social creatures, those who are comfortable being social and comfortable hearing their own voice and comfortable being assertive, comfortable role-playing or making funny voices or making jokes or being loud, in the moment, all that advice can seem so far away all of a sudden. And we're in a social moment and our natural instincts to dominate or to recede or to Uh, poke fun at or to make light of or to make heavy of, all these habits, they overtake the more cerebral part of our social behavior, which is where, oh, I had all these things that I was thinking about that I really agreed with that felt really smart. But in the moment, our social behavior is such a powerful part of how we act and what we do, it can leave the talk behind And what I want to say for episode 39 of RPG Mainframe, which I think it is poignantly applicable to what we talk about here on Runehammer, very directly relevant to the overall topic of Runehammer, is that all this advice and deep thinking and honestly evolution of our awesome hobby that's happening because it's growing is not just talk. All of the theory that you hear, all of the DM advice, even the the most sort of lightweight videos that you watch, which are like, you know, um, you know, five level one spells you can't live without. You know, you guys have seen a lot of thumbnails like that, right? There's probably a damn good reason those guys or those girls have invented this list of five spells. Now, granted, as a thumbnail, as a YouTube video, Yeah, the sort of top five kind of behavior can seem a little bit baity, right? But let's face it, thought goes into this stuff. People love our hobby. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there's a real polarizing effect between casual enthusiasts and real all-in types. 
And all in types are going to think about top five lists and top 10 lists and, you know, like how this is broken and how you should do this and why spotlighting is so important. And I have a better dice mechanic for them. Their, their brains are just completely consumed by the hobby in the most wonderful way. I think the more casual enthusiast thinks it's kind of neat to roll up a character and, you know, it's fun to spend time with friends, have a beer, roll some dice, right? I'm generally in all my work talking to the former, not the latter, <laughs> to the all-in type. The all-in type is thinking deeply about what to say and what to, to put forth, especially if you're doing a public-facing activity like YouTube, right? So even something as lightweight as five level one spills you can't live without, there's probably a damn good reason to take a long look at those five level one spells and say to yourself, like, wow, maybe I need those, okay, if you're, you know, playing 5e or whatever. And what I'm saying with this example is that even at that level, it's not just talk. It is not just talk. The disconnect that I'm seeing from where I sit, and this is not universal, but I'm just seeing it and I think it's important enough to talk about. The disconnect that I'm seeing is that all this thinking is evolving and then I see the same old like mid-80s style gameplay, you know, or like late 80s style gameplay, which is... Sometimes where there's no turn order at all, there's, there's not even really initiative being used in any constructive fashion. And so what you get is this morass of gameplay where people who don't really talk over others almost never take a turn. They are completely lost in the shadows. Another thing that I'm seeing that disregards growth is this slavish overuse of rules and numbers and math, and it just devouring table time. We have all learned in this hobby in the last 25, 30 years that easing off the math just a little bit, not entirely, you don't have to just completely go play, you know, Fate or something. You don't have to just set it all aside and play Dungeon World. You can still play 5e, but you don't necessarily need to know if that rule said 30 feet or 35 feet. You, you don't necessarily need to know, you know, if this is, you know, 0.5 or 0.75, right? Like, and I see this just eating so much table time. Now, let's say that I'm sort of, I have something worthwhile to say here. That all this isn't just talk. We really should be channeling all this evolutionary thinking into the table, in the moment. Okay, let's just give me that point and let's pretend like I won that argument with myself. Now, if that's the case... <laughs> there's still one thing to consider that could put the skids on everything I'm saying, which is that do not tell me how to have fun, right? That's a common thing in our hobby too. And so if I like to have fun by not taking a turn for three hours and by number crunching and by not using turn order and not even using initiative and, you know, overly emphasizing what's written in the books rather than what the players want to generate and create and stories they want to tell. And like, I'm, let's say my table is failing to learn all these evolutionary lessons that the RPG hobby has been developing and growing, especially in recent years. Well, damn you, that's how we have fun. Okay, let's say that's a case. If that is the case, then I say rock on, rock on. But I did do Lincoln-Douglas debate in high school, and, and I know how to counterexample this stuff. When I see people doing this stuff, they are not having fun. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, 
But when I see someone on, a, say, an actual play on Twitch or something, and they're sitting there and they have not said a word for an hour because they're sort of being talked over and they're not sure what to do, they do not look like they're having fun. <laughs> when someone is looking up a spell and can't quite find the details of how they're casting and the other three players are in space checking their phones, I, I'm going to have to make a judgment call on this. They do not look like they're having fun. So I want to rebuke the sort of slippery slope, worst case scenario counter argument, which is says, well, you know, playing like it's 1979 and kind of de-spotlighting shy characters and over-mathing and like eating up hours and hours of time to do one or two turns. Well, that's how we have fun at my table. I rebuke that example. I'm sure somewhere there is some example of a table that has fun doing that, but I just straight up rebuke it. Everything that I have worked for as Runehammer is directly opposed to that, is diametric to that mindset. Everything that I've worked for and worked on as Runehammer and throughout my RPG life has been to say, it can be better. It can be more fun. It can be more dynamic. It can be more engaging for people who are getting more used to experiences like video games and Netflix, where there's all this instant gratification and a lot of visual excitement. RPGs can be that gratifying, that visually interesting, that fast moving. And most importantly, RPGs can be fair and they can be even in their attention time. Remember, I do not believe there is such a thing as overpowered anything in any RPG. The only thing that can be overpowered is the amount of time that any one voice gets to use the table to get attention. That is the form of overpower in an RPG, not how strong a spell is, not how lethal a magic sword is, not how amazing, amazingly resistant high-end armor is. No, the only thing that measures power at the table is the time that you get the attention of the table. That is the drug that we are smoking when we are playing RPGs. Let's face it. It's the attention of the table and it's the reins of the story. That is the crack we're smoking in this hobby. And so if any one player gets to smoke more of that, that's what I would call overpowered or in a much more wide sense, unfair. And that I do not want to see in the hobby, period. Now, does me saying that this is everything I'm working for and all this stuff sort of make me right? Absolutely not. Everything that I say on Runehammer is an opinion. I mean, as you guys know, I'm also in a lot of ways, losing interest in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. I mean, it, at its opening, it was quite brilliant and felt very modern. I think the 5th edition Monster Manual is still one of my favorite books ever. It, it kicked me off again. It, it drove me wild. The way they mechanically designed those monsters, I think, is the best they've ever done. But as an addition, as a collection of books, I have completely fallen off. There's so many other interesting avenues to pursue, I have lost it. Now, that is not to say that 5th edition is somehow objectively not great. This is only my opinion. <laughs> also, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the overall product strategy on 5e is very different than some of the stuff we've seen in the past. We're getting these gigantic books, and I'm not sure who they're made for. <laughs> But again, that's only my opinion. And it's the same with this 
fundamental belief that I have, which is this is not just talk. We're not doing YouTube videos and podcasts, room designs, new dice mechanics, new monster mechanics, new world settings. We're not doing all this stuff so that it can be nodded at and smiled and then put away and forgotten. And we go right back to where we were. To me, that is deeply, deeply frustrating (laughs) because I take this very seriously and very personally. This mission to improve this hobby and to innovate it is is above table. It is honest. It is sincere. It is passionate. It's like take any other special interest and grow it for 30 years and then imagine popping out of your laboratory and looking around and seeing that at large, out in the open world, so to speak, people are still doing it the 30-year-old way. That to me If you're sincerely interested in the innovation of a special interest, that is deeply frustrating. (laughs) So I just want to now change from my sort of argumentative tone, you guys, to this rallying cry. The rallying cry about it's not just talk. It challenges you, especially you guys listening who are dungeon masters, game masters. It challenges you to really process this new evolutionary thinking, the new way of RPG design, social mores and techniques, active habits that a dungeon master can have that improve everyone's experience at the table. It's your responsibility now to agree with me and say, yes, you're right, it's not just talk. I'm going to spread the spotlight around better in my next game. Okay, that's the rallying cry I want to give you. That's what all that 20 minutes of argumentative gibbledy gibbets was all about. So as usual, here at Runehammer, my number one sort of litmus test for if something's worth podcasting is, is it usable? Is it directly practical? Is it a tool I can actually hand you you can use? Or is it just abstracta infinita? <laughs> so in this case, how do hankering... How do I get the talk, the theory, the good thinking, the good advice from all these different sources? How do I get it to my table? Because I always forget. I always get in the heat of the moment. I start talking. I look at the clock and I've been talking and I'm the, the game master. I've been talking for an hour straight. People are checking their phones and they're on their fourth Dr. Pepper. Yikes. Here's my advice. And you guys know how I always try to break things down to basically one molecule of thinking because that's all that will fit in my one molecule size brain, (laughs) my algae brain. It is exactly that. Take one thing that you're absolutely sure can improve your game and only do that in your next session. One thing, just like Forrest Gump said, life's about one thing. What is it? I don't know. (laughs) that's up to you. Wait, no, that was Lieutenant Dan who said that. (laughs) One thing, choose one thing that you know you can go do at the table that's going to improve it. And then act on it. Make yourself an index card that says it in bold black Sharpie so that you're constantly looking at that one thing you're doing. Okay, so now what could that one thing be? And now I'm going to hit you. Now I'm going to hit you with the specifics. And like I've been saying this whole podcast, this is not just talk. I sincerely, passionately, strongly, honestly believe 
that if you apply this stuff one technique at a time, your game's gonna be better and you will have a hard time turning back. So let's hit it. There's only three I wanna hit you with, three possibilities. Number one, we've already talked about, spread the spotlight, move the spotlight. Make sure that the underspoken become outspoken. Make sure that the outspoken are made to be quiet for just a moment. Let's let this other gal have her time. Let's let her have a big, exciting turn. Now, you don't have to put it out in the open and make people feel weird about it. But watch your table or your group if you're playing VTT. Watch the players. If one is not getting attention or is going quiet on you a little bit, actively bring the spotlight of the game to that person. Actively do it. Practice this active habit. Mindfulness is one of the key properties of a brilliant game master, and you're going to get good at it. Okay, that's number one. Number two, and it's linked. But remember, you're only going to try one of these at a time because the next one's huge, and the next one also causes a lot of polarization. A lot of people think that I am... I am a dimwit for thinking this, but I'm going to hit you anyways because I believe in myself. Always play in turns. Always. And I'm going to take it even a step further. Even role-playing, you do it in turns. Your turn as a player is saying a little bit of something, moving a little bit, and doing a little action. There is almost no time where I just say, okay, everybody, go ahead and role-play because you know what happens assertive, loud people take over and quiet, shy people lean back and don't do anything. But if it's your turn and it's time to say your little statement, to say your little piece of role play, it's your time. Everyone else is being quiet. It's your turn. You can say a sentence or two. It fits into the ongoing narrative. It makes it happen. I used to think that playing in turns was absolutely obvious, not even using initiative, just going clockwise at the table. I've done it this way for years. But I've realized in the past three, four years, bringing this view to the public, so to speak, it's controversial. <laughs> Can you believe it? It's controversial to say we should play this game in turns. But it's not controversial here on Runehammer. We are United Front. Try this at your table. And I mean put everything in turns. Even if you have a year of story time that you're facing, you say to the first person at the table on your left, you say, what are you going to do for that year? No one else is talking at this point. And they are going to describe a year of their character's life. <laughs> then you go to the next one. You quickly recap what the first player did. Okay, you know, Belarius just spent a year training in the monasteries of Zil. Blah, 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 blah. So what are you going to do with your year? You see, just like that. Everybody be quiet except player number two. Go. So the first one, spread that spotlight around. The second one. Consider always playing in turns, always. The final one, which you guys probably see coming, consolidate unused math. Consolidate your unused math. Have you ever noticed that on some live plays or actual plays, you know, on Twitch or whatever, one of the first things that they show you is the stats of the characters? I don't know about you guys, but I do not care <laughs> what your stats are. 
I think even with the players that I play in, uh, play with every single week, I don't know their stats. <laughs> That's for them to do. That's their character sheet. That's their, their deal. Showing numbers and focusing on numbers and stats, to me, right away, extracts you from the moment. Now, you need all those things because we all like making cool rolls with big bonuses on them and all that cool stuff. That is absolutely part of the hobby. Even your character's stats, a core part of the hobby. You can take pride in that. It feels fun to see them grow and evolve over time. But to spend more time at the table being concerned with the numerics on various powers, movement, overly complex monsters, overly complex spells, overly complex terrain analysis, all this other stuff, for that to take time from Belarius's exciting adventure training in the monasteries of Zill, no, <laughs> it does not improve your game. And I know about this don't step on my fun principle, right? But remember my argument earlier, I'm just going to go right out there and I'm just going to say it. The game is more fun when you eliminate superfluous math and the time it takes to eat and devour and find superfluous math. That's the definition of the word superfluous. I'm not saying all math. I'm not saying stop looking things up during the game. That's always fun. But if it costs you time, it's cut from your game. And this is something you have on an index card that you're actively practicing as a game master. I'm going to actively consolidate and simplify the math in our game. How do you do it? I don't know. That is a very complex and nuanced question based on all the different games that everyone's playing. And in some games, it's going to be easier to do the consolidation and the cleanup. And sometimes it's going to be more complex. And it depends on the vibe of your players, how much they feel like that's okay. And I would say just have a tribunal straight up. Ease into it. Remember, one thing. You're going to choose one thing and try to get better at it. This is not just talk, you guys. All this theory thinking about the RPG hobby, all this advice that we see. We see hours of these, you know, talking million miles an hour, telling me all these things the way that I should be doing my game. Blah, 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 blah right? It's not just talk. There is deep thinking in there. Now, maybe the way that we present information sometimes in pop culture can be, you know, drowned in gags and anecdotes and, you know, fast talking and maybe can be lost a little bit. But I think for the passionate game master, it's almost your responsibility to mine all this talk for actionable theory and actionable innovation and get it on a card in a way that it's at your table where you put it to use. It actually improves your table. Is this because I am the soup Nazi of RPGs and I demand that you play better than you used to? No. It's because I believe deep down in my soul and the reason that I do Runehammer is that more people will be happier and have more fun when we get better at being innovative, modern game masters that don't just listen to all the talkosphere, we apply it. <clears throat> yes, that feels good. That is a grapple hook that I can tug on and actually get over the wall to my next game. As always, thank you everyone for your ongoing support as I continue to morph and evolve here on Runehammer. Of course, welcome new patrons. It's great to have you. And you guys this month can look forward to another room design. We're going to have another set of tables that's going to come out. 
and you can start to collect these PDFs that are coming out every month. And eventually, when the ultimate sort of ICRPG edition comes out, which is when all four books are done and they will be consolidated into one massive tome, when that all happens, everything that is created here on Patreon is going to be included in that big book. It's going to be fan-freaking-tastic. So um, look forward to that stuff. And, you know, whatever little bits and bobbles can come up. And uh, thank you guys so much for the support. As you guys know, there's a lot of projects going on, and I could not do them without Patreon. It is the absolute backbone of what I create. And please just keep that in mind when that little sting comes at the end of every month and you got to shell up your eight bucks. <laughs> if you're a fan of Runehammer, and I cannot recommend this enough, and this is not just a shill for a few more dollars. If you go to the Immortal level, it'll give you an invite to our Discord channel. And uh, to my surprise, to be totally honest, the Discord channel is extremely lively and active. There's a lot going on there. And as I mentioned in a previous post, most importantly, the Immortal Discord is the place that we are forming games that, uh, that I'm hosting. I know that a lot of people have asked me in different venues and different uh, email and Facebook and different ways how they can get in a game that I'm running. And we finally have solved that logistical problem with the Immortal Discord channel. So if you want to play with me as your confused and befuddled game master, then you definitely want to get on the Immortal Discord channel. And right now we are in the middle of this four group warp shell sort of living world crisscrossing campaign story. That's going to wrap up um, probably this month or next, and then we're going to reboot the whole thing. We're going to do it all with new players. Uh, this one has been, I think, 16 total players or 17 total players in four different groups that are crisscrossing and uh, affecting each other's stories. So if that sounds like something that's exciting for you, then you just jump to that Immortal tier. Um, Immortals also get free PDFs. When uh, ICRPG Magic is about to come out, all the Immortals will get a free playtest version of it to try some of it out at their table before it's published. All kinds of cool things. Come down and buy a used car. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is Hanker and Furnail, and I've got a bunch of stuff to do. It's Thursday. That means it's Alfheim night, and there's paintings to make and things to write down and characters to stat up and monsters to add hearts to. And get some My laptop needs Thank you.